Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Welcome into GC Live, Talking Tuesday nights, everybody. We are heading into week three of the college football season for South Carolina, coming off a disappointing loss this past weekend at Arkansas. Now they turn their attention to take on the number one team in the land, and that number one team, of course, is a team that is in your conference and a team that's in your same division, too. Number one Bulldogs coming into town after moving up this past weekend. So with that all being said, a lot to get into tonight. We're going to talk about some of the things that Shane Beamer had to say today. We're going to discuss a big recruiting weekend for the Gamecocks, starting with Nicholas Harbor, the five-star from D.C. We'll also look ahead at this game, but we'll also take a step back, too. We'll look at what took place this past weekend at Arkansas, try to find the good, the bad, and the ugly as we try to keep moving things ahead as the Gamecocks look to bounce back this weekend. And, look, it's not going to be an easy task. We know that. We know that Georgia's the number one team, as I said but they are one of the most talented teams in the country. What you see out there from a win-loss standpoint shouldn't make you feel any differently about this team this weekend. And I'm not a guy that's really big with moral victories and this and that, but I think it's just the reality of it that for South Carolina, look, (laughs) they have a tough schedule to start. They have a tough schedule. We've been saying this going all the way back to the offseason. I think there were some people that went into this year having higher expectations than they probably should have. And that's all right. It's all right being the fan. It's all right believing. Just hasn't panned out the way I think some people had envisioned. But that's all right. The reality is you got to take on Georgia. And then you, when you look ahead, Charlotte, SC State, there's some winnable games ahead of you. Try to get that momentum going. So I think, look, for USC, I thought they were going to start one and two anyway. And that's not say, okay, screw this weekend. Forget everything's going to be bad. No. Have some optimism. Be optimistic. But at the same time, too, if things don't go to plan this weekend for some people and they start off the year one and two, there's no reason to hit the panic button. There's no reason to say, all right, cancel the seat. No. They have some winnable games ahead of them. So we will get into that. If you do have a question, 
I see some things popping up on the side right now, whether you're listening to us on Facebook, YouTube, Twitter. We will share some of those questions and comments, concerns, anything you have. Lady Bree, she's back. Yo, Mike, I'm calling in tonight to explain the 5-7 to 10-2 record I've been talking about. Well, Lady Bree, we'll be looking forward to that. Um, Kevin mentioned the big recruiting weekend that's coming up. Yeah, no question. No question. You need to have a great showing this weekend at williams Bryce. Uh, we'll get that number up for you if you do want to call into the show. We have intern Joe in the background. He's there mandating the phone. Phone lines for you this evening. So if you have any questions, be sure to let us know. And uh, we will get things rolling here on this Talking Tuesday. So let's begin as we uh, as we get that number out for you. I'll pull that thing up and get that number out in case you guys need a reminder. What I did like about South Carolina, we talked about this last week. We've been talking about this at nauseum on Gamecock Central. And if you've seen any of the stuff that I've put out, whether it be in front of the camera, whether it be some of the written pieces I've put out, I told you guys that we would see improvements from week one to week two with the offense. Now, does that mean this offense is the greatest show on turf? You know, no. But what we saw from week one to week two, the improvements were, and it started with what we mentioned in quick slants on Gamecock Central last week, timing. Timing, timing with the offensive line and Spencer Rattler, Rattler having a little bit more confidence in that offensive line in terms of knowing when to get out of the pocket, when to step up. Is it perfect right now? Certainly not. But just in comparison to week one against a team, even though Georgia State gave a great game, they they pushed North Carolina last week. Arkansas, much better team than Georgia State. It goes without saying. It was just night and day, it felt like. First quarter. Mm, offense felt like they were sleepwalking a little bit. You could say that about the, both teams. Defense just let them go right down the field. But the offense seemed like they were sleepwalking a little bit. Then they were able to get into a rhythm, and they established more of an I, I don't want to say identity. I know that's the word that a lot of people are trying to figure out. What is the identity of South Carolina's offense? But more of a rhythm, just being more in sync with one another. So that was good to see. Does that mean that this offense doesn't have any flaws. Certainly not. But I feel like when you looked at this past week's game, that's what you wanted to see. You wanted to be see, you wanted to be able to see an improvement from week one to week two. And I felt like South Carolina was able to do that. What do they need to do now? As I put that number down here for you guys, if you want to call into the program, let us know how you feel about things. Pop that up in case you need it for you. What do they need to do now? Well, I feel like they need to be able to be consistent this week. Again, I'm not too concerned if South Carolina loses this week. And the reason I say that is I didn't expect them to, to be able to win this weekend. And to start off the year one and two, I don't think the world's coming to an end. Because when you look at the games ahead of them, and I do feel like not just this team, but this offense is going to get better. And I think that is something that you need to be able to do. You need to find ways to improve each week. Got Joe in the background. Looks like we might have our first call of the night. I'll wait for him to give us the thumbs up as he screens the calls. Intern Joe. Staying busy back there. Good. All right, intern Joe. Who we got? We have Bree on the phones. Bree, go ahead. What's up, Bree? Hey, it's uh, Bree, the MMA fighter person that's always yep. weird and popping in. Hey, guys. Um, so 
I am in a lot of chat rooms lately, and everybody's trying to figure out how in the world did you come up with five and seven to ten and two for this this year. And then I know somebody the other night was like, "Hey, you thought that they were asking like, how did you come up with like nine or ten wins?" And you're like, "I didn't." <laughs> they were talking to me. Um, but so this is what happened. In the last season, we've got so much energy going on. Who wanted the season to be over? I didn't. I watched every interview, every podcast, everything between the end of last season to the beginning of this season, and I came up with five and five and seven to ten and two was what the experts were saying we might possibly get. Now I had us at about eight wins would be a great season for us. Nine would be ecstatic. I didn't see anything over nine personally, and. Seven would even be an improvement. Six would be disappointing. But five, please let's not still can't uh, cancel the coaches and fire the coaches over a five-win season considering what we've come through. <laughs> so what I had looked at was most experts were giving us, what, three wins, Georgia State, uh, Charlotte, um, and, and South Carolina State. Okay, so there's three. Well, you got to get two more. Everybody's going preseason. Everybody's going Vandy. Right now, everybody's scared of Vandy because they put up a – Huge points not too long ago. But, hey, all right, we'll still conclude Fanny. So we got those four wins right there. Needed a fifth win. Most people said, oh, they're probably going to beat Missouri. Now, the three the three teams that we probably weren't going to beat by almost everybody were Texas A&M, Clemson, and Georgia. So I said, well, hmm. But everybody that I listened to, different people said we could beat one of them. There was a lot of predictions for a Clemson upset, a UGA upset, a Texas A&M upset. So I said, well, I'm going to give us one of those. So there's one more win out of three games. Now, the rest of those were all the toss-ups. Arkansas game, Kentucky, Florida, a lot of different toss-up games. So in between five and seven and ten and two, you fill that in. We're past the ten and two now because we lost to Arkansas. So now we best we could possibly get a nine and three. These are all just possibilities, of course. I simply still only believe – we're going to get maybe a good eight wins. If we stretch the nine, that would be that would be magical. So anyway, that was it. I was calling to explain that. I had a lot of people asking me, how did you come to those numbers? And it could have been listening to Mike Yuva on, you know, uh, Gamecock Central or listening to somebody on ESPN. I just went by, you know, how many different experts said, hey, you know, they might pick up a win in Clemson. Hey, they might actually beat Georgia this year. Hey, they might actually beat Texas A&M. And those are those three games. You might pick up one. But nobody said we were going to pick up all three of those or even two of them. <laughs> and then the rest in betweens and then obviously the kids. So <laughs> I think anywhere between five and seven and nine and three at this point is a good season for us. So, you know, I'm not going to be disappointed. And I wouldn't, you know, once again want to see the coordinators or anybody on the hot seat over a, a, a budding program. I think the, the, the big thing for everybody to keep in mind going forward is we have a lot of good recruits coming in. Uh, we want to keep the coordinators and coaches in place to work with the recruits they've gotten to see if next year that could be our killer year, right, or the year after. Once these recruits mm -hmm. have gotten in, these coaches have had a chance to work their magic, that's when we're going to know what this program is capable of. It's not going to happen this year, guys. I mean, that, that's all. I mean, there's, there's a possibility of 5-7 and seven to 10-2. and two. And that was what I was trying to tell everybody. When you listen to all the experts, man, it could be from anywhere this year. You know, so don't get your hopes too high. And don't set them too low. Well, Bree, appreciate you calling into the program. And, I, and I'll take parts of what you were saying to apply it to the now. And 
what we're going to see over the next couple of days, you're going up against the best team in the country, right? Goes without saying. And Joe was at the press conference today, so I definitely want to get Joe Joe's thoughts in just a little bit. He had a chance to listen to Shane Beamer, some of the players. You're going up against the number one team in the country. Realistically, you need to be honest with yourself. Right now, you're not on the same page as, or on the same level as Georgia. That's not to say you can't catch them on a bad day. I mean, Marcus Lattimore and I, we've been talking about this at nauseum. Well, for whatever reason, historically, and I know a lot of people aren't going to be happy about having to go out there, noon game, wish you could tailgate a little bit uh, later in the day in comparison to have to wake up first thing in the morning. I get that. But for whatever reason, historically, Georgia has just struggled. They have struggled when they have some of these early kickoffs for whatever reason. Now, for South Carolina, they're a team that when you look over, even going back to the Muschamp era, waking up early, they're, they're used to it because they practice in the morning. Well, even though you had an 11 a.m. local time kickoff when you played Arkansas last week, noon Eastern, South Carolina was sleepwalking. So I say all that because even though this could be a huge, huge, huge advantage for South Carolina this week, and it could be a blessing in disguise is what I'm trying to get at in comparison to playing at night, even though it would be neat, see the lights control, I get that. But it could be a blessing in disguise that this game's at noon. And for South Carolina, what they need to do, which they struggled at doing last week, they can't come out flat. They need to be able to jump out early. They need to be able to jump out early. This is a very good Georgia team. And if you can find any, any, any little, little, just, I don't even know, any little error that they have, any little hiccup. And if that hiccup is they come out and play a little flat early on, they play a little slow because historically that's what they do when they play at noon games, or at least as of late, it feels like. Take advantage of it. Take advantage. Because if you don't, shoot, this could get ugly quickly. This could get ugly quickly, quickly. South Carolina has the talent to be able to compete against Georgia if they're able to get up in this game quickly. If Georgia's sleepwalking, they can make this game. I'm not saying that South Carolina is going to go win it, but they can make it interesting. But you need to be able to take advantage of it. You cannot be sleepwalking. Looking at some of the other comments here, you know, the running back situation. Look, they have good running backs. They do. South Carolina certainly has good running backs. The question now, how do you decide to use them all? Um, I know Joe was there today. And, Joe, one of the things that Shane Beamer mentioned today, he's like, look, we have a, we have tremendous weapons at receiver. We have tremendous weapons um, at tight end. Great quarterback in Spencer Rattler. They want to be able to throw the football. At the same time, too, if you're able to run the football, they're going to be able to do it. So I say all that, Joe, because – at some point, guys are going to lose touches. That just comes with it, right? Guys are going to lose touches. We saw that last week for other reasons, two multiple reasons go into it. It's not just as simple as the ball just didn't get to him um, with Josh Van. Maybe he does need to be able to create some more separation. I know Beamer mentioned some things on Sunday during his weekly teleconference. You need to be able to realize that there's a lot of talented guys on this team, whether it be a receiver, tight end, running back. There's going to be weeks, and Beamer said this today, Joe. Tell me if I'm wrong. There's going to be weeks 
where guys is going to feel like they're not part of the game plan as much. Is that by design? Maybe sometimes it is. But the other the other thing, too, is if a guy like Juice Wells goes off for almost 200 yards receiving, you're going to keep feeding him the ball. And at some point, you got to realize, shoot, there's only one ball to go around. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, Shane talked about it today. He said if everything goes to schedule, everyone's going to get their touches. But that's just not reality. He talked about how deep the wide receiver room was and how they wish that, I mean, they wish they could get all those guys' touches. Same thing for the running backs. You have a lot of good backs in that room, like we said. And it, I mean, of course, if everything goes to plan, you're getting everyone those touches and like that's what they're trying to do. But I mean, granted, against especially against Georgia, we know that's not going to happen. Not everyone's going to get their touches. Um, but again, like Shane, Shane said it today, he said, if we could run the ball 60 times a game, you know, we would. But that's just not how things work out. And especially not in this offense, I mean, because we do, or they do want to throw the ball a little bit more. Um, with again all the weapons at wide receiver, and then you got Stog and Jaheim Bell, um, both at tight end. So I mean the options are limitless. It's just a matter of executing. Um, so that's that's yeah, pretty much it. Appreciate it. intern Joe. If you guys want to call into the program, there is the number 803-567-3796. Once again, 803-567-3796. Intern Joe mandating the phone lines right now. Um, so give him a call and we will get you on to the program if you have any questions or if you prefer to just shoot us a message, whether you're listening on Facebook, YouTube, Twitter, wherever you're listening to GC Live, be sure to send us a message and a reminder, as all GC Live shows are presented by Clint Hammond of Mortgage Network. Give Clint a call. He'll get you set up. He'll take care of everything, everything you need when it comes to mortgages, 803-771-6933. He has been a big, big supporter of Gamecock Central over the years, and he's one of the best in the business. So be sure to give him a call if you have any questions when it comes to that. And there's Clint. Throw his number up for you guys real quick. And then also today's show is brought to you by Liberty Tax. Taxiety. We all get it. Don't worry. You guys still have a couple more months to go. If you want to give them a call, 803-462-5576. They'll be able to take some of that anxiety away from you guys as you get ready for tax season. Looking at some of the comments, Joe, I do want to look at about uh, Joyner. Did Joyner have a serious injury that wasn't advertised? For those of you that follow us over at Gamecock Central may have seen the tweet I actually put out before the Georgia State game. I hinted that there was going to be a player or two that was dealing with some injuries, um, and Karrion Joyner was one of them. Beamer has come out. Uh, Beamer actually spoke about it today. Beamer has mentioned it a couple times um, the last couple days, going back to the last couple weeks or so, that Joyner has been dealing with a calf injury. Um, his calf injury... His calf injury is one of those injuries that it just comes down to pain tolerance. How much can you deal with? How much can you handle? Um, I say all that because whether it be quarterback, whether it be receiver, special teams especially because he's played such a large role in that. And I'm going to have Joe hop back on in a minute because I know he did a piece today on to carry on Joiner. He has a he, – he still brings so much to the table. It's not even funny. It's not even funny. And I don't think it's fair for people to look at Joyner and say, okay, the coaches aren't using them the right way, this and that, because a lot of it had to do with the previous coaching staff. 
I mean, that's that's unfair to to blame it on Beamer in this coaching snap because now it's like you know it's like dating a girl and then getting upset with your current girlfriend or boyfriend or vice versa, right? I mean, how are you going to get upset with someone and they didn't even do anything because you're taking it out because of how things used to be? That's what's happening. That's what's happening. So I say that, number one. But number two, Joyner's coming back from an injury, man. He's not 100%. He's not 100%. He's getting back to being close to 100%. But he's not at 100%. Joe, what you think? I know you wrote this piece today on Joyner. You guys can check it out over yeah. on GamecockCentral.com. Absolutely. So, I mean, the carry on joiners, an interesting piece to this team. Um, you know, he's been here the, or one of the guys that's been here the longest fifth year senior. Um, and you know, Mike, we talk about how deep that wide receiver room is. We haven't really seen to carry on joiner now, granted he has been dealing with that calf injury and was really limited in week one and especially week two. Um, but Beamer talked today. I mean, he said quite literally, he said, you know, to carry on joiner is an essential part of this program. He said, um, that he's a great leader, first and foremost. I love to carry on Joyner. Um, most importantly, he said he's everything right about South Carolina football. And that's what really stuck out to me because, you know, to carry on Joyner is the type of guy that go, he lights up the room um, whenever he enters it. You know, he's a very vocal person, very happy, very, you know, good presence for the Gamecocks on the sidelines. So, I mean, he might not be, you know, getting the stats and the playing time at wide receiver, but he is making an impact on special teams and he is going to be making an impact as a leader on that sidelines. And, you know, it's something that this team needs, you know, with all these transfer guys coming in, a veteran presence like to carry on joiner is a breath of fresh air. Um, even, even when he's not necessarily playing and providing a big role at wide receiver. I agree with that. If you want to see that full story, go check it out. GamecockCentral.com. Again, if you guys want to call into the program, 803-567-3796. This is GC Live talking Tuesday nights where we kind of look ahead, look back, whatever you guys want to do. If you guys have any questions, let us know. And as a reminder, following every Saturday this season, right, every game, GC Live postgame show. Last week we had Perry Worthop on. We did numbers. We did numbers on that. So a big, big thank you to everyone that took the time to tune in. If you didn't listen last week, that's all right. You can go back, go visit our YouTube page, Gamecock Central, and be able to relive that if you guys want to. Perry gave some great, great, great insight into that uh, that you definitely want to go check out if you haven't had an opportunity to listen to. But again, that number, 803-567-3796. Call into the program, or if you're listening on Facebook, YouTube, Twitter, Shoot us a message, and we will answer your question the best that we can. We have Michelle saying you have to hand the ball off. We were into the second quarter last week before a handoff was ever given to a running back. They didn't establish the run early on. They didn't establish the run early on. Now I could sit here and say X, Y, Z. I don't know what the game plan was. I don't know what the game plan was. Now I did I did say this before the game, and I think a lot of us who paid attention – to the injuries that took place with Arkansas secondary, you would have known that, hey, you got to attack Arkansas secondary early, you know, especially early game. Again, 11 a.m. local time kickoff. Secondary for Arkansas banged up. You're hoping that, okay, a week under his belt into the system with some, with some game tape that Rattler's going to feel a bit more comfortable and you're going to be able to come out there and sling the ball around. They didn't have that type of success but the success that they were looking for early on, at least once we got into the second quarter, third quarter, fourth quarter, it seemed like things were able to pick up again. 
if you're just joining us. I'm not saying the offense has no flaws. They certainly do. But at the same time, too, what we saw from this offense from week two, right, after you looked at what they did against Georgia State week one, they showed some type of progress. They showed progress with the timing. They showed progress in just being a little bit more in sync. Does that mean they are perfect right now? Everything's all sunshine and rainbows. No. They have a lot, 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 lot more they can improve on. But they did make they did, they did make improvements in just a short period of time. And you're going to have to be able to do that again against a very, very good Georgia team. So, look, it's not going to get any easier running the football this week against Georgia. Does that mean you can afford to abandon it? No. Uh, we talked about it yesterday on Mixing a Water Monday with former Gamecock defensive lineman Preston Thorne, who's on 107.5 The Game. Now you can listen to him between 9 a.m. to noon weekdays on the extra point. I say that because Preston said, look, it just becomes so much easier. When you know it's pass, 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 you just put your hand in the dirt and you're taking off and you're teeing off on the quarterback. When you throw that run in there, though, it's like throwing a changeup in baseball throwing a breaking ball in baseball. You keep the hitter honest. You need to be able to find a way to keep the defense honest. You need to be able to throw in some runs in there. You need to be able to hand it off. So, Michelle, I agree with you. If the game plan was to pass the way that South Carolina had envisioned they were going to be able to have the success against Arkansas last week, I get it. I get it. But at the same time, too, at some point you need to be able to mix in some runs. And once they were able to do that, did you notice how the offense was able to start moving a little bit more? Because the defense was on the back of their heels just a little bit more. It wasn't, you know, hand in the dirt, defensive lineman, tee off in the quarterback. It was just different. It was just different. Hearing a question about Wells Jr., he needs to start. Whether he starts, whether he doesn't start, I can tell you one thing for sure. He will be getting some targets. He's going to get some targets. Um... I wouldn't get too worried about, okay, is he starting this week? And I know, I get it. Some people are going to – it drives them nuts seeing the oars, right? When you look at the rosters that come out, the depth charts each week, and it says, you know, this person or. I get it. But Wells Jr., and this goes back to even when he came in, and I know I'm probably sounding like a broken record um, if you've been following our coverage on Gamecock Central going back to December when he transferred on in. He is a guy – that can make plays inside, outside, third down, stadium. Everyone in the crowd knows the ball's going to him. He loves that. He welcomes that. That's what he did at James Madison. Talking to coordinators that had a game plan against him when he was at James Madison and he was just tearing up FCS football. He is a guy that is explosive. And that was the word that I used all preseason. Shoot, even going back to spring football, just explosive. And we've seen that. We've seen that in games. We saw that last week against Arkansas, putting up almost 200 yards receiving, that 60-plus yard touchdown reception where he was just able to separate himself from the secondary with his speed once he caught the ball. The guys weren't able to hawk him down. You need to keep finding a way to get the ball to Juice Wells. You need to. Brian asks, is Van not 100% right now? Joe, I don't know if you had a chance to intern. Joe, did you have a chance to be able to listen to the teleconference the other day from Beamer? Okay. Um, So I'm paraphrasing right now. But one of the things that I remember Beamer had mentioned 
from that teleconference on Sunday. And Joe, I don't know if you can look that story up real quick by Colin on Gamecock Central. Uh, intern Joe doing some work behind the scenes right now. But one of the things that, that, that just stood out, and the reason why I just want Intern Joe to pull that up is just because I want to make sure I'm saying this right. He had mentioned that he wants to see Van practice differently. And again, I'm paraphrasing right now. I want to make sure that I'm wording it the right way. But he wanted to see a little bit more from him from practice. Um, I think the other thing, too, is, and, and Beamer had mentioned this, he wants to see separation. He wants to see separation. I'm going to add Joe in here. Yeah. Joe, what what does it actually say? What's the exact quote, if you could? Um, so, yeah, the exact quote in the article is, um, the guys that practice the best are the ones who are going to play Saturday. It's not like we had a plan to throw the ball at Juice Wells like we did. Juice Wells practices his ever-living rear end off. It shows Saturdays. And then I'm not saying jo- – and he goes on saying, I'm not saying Josh doesn't. We had some things in the game plan for Josh yesterday, specific packages for Josh. We had him on a deep ball down the sideline. He's one-on-one with their corner, and we weren't able to connect. So, I mean, it sounds like, you know – it's it's all about practice. Like you, you want to you want the best guys that are playing the best mm-hmm. going into the week. And I mean, I think that's just kind of where Josh Van sits. And he's still getting touches. Like it's still in the game plan to get Josh Van it's touches. Just, it's not going to feel the same. It's no. not. Look, this isn't last year. This isn't last year. You have, and, and this was a thing when you look back over the last couple of seasons. You can look back to last season. You can look back to two years ago, especially yeah. Muschamp's final year at South Carolina. What was one of the gripes a lot of us had? whether it be in the media, whether it be in the fan base, whether it be probably even as a coaching staff, they lacked depth at wide receiver. They lacked depth at wide receiver. That's not a problem anymore. Now, does that mean this this wide receiver room is full of All-Americans? No, it's not what I'm saying. But there are guys now that you can spread the ball out to. It doesn't have to be just the Brian Edwards show this week. It doesn't have to be just the Josh Van show this week or Shai Smith, or whoever you want to keep going back, Debo Samuel. It doesn't have to be that way. There are enough talented bodies in that room where the ball is going to get spread out all over the place. And that's the way it should be. That is when you have good teams. Because what was South Carolina's issue? What was their issue? I mean, there's a couple of issues over the last two years. But one of their issues at the wide receiver position was they were a one-trick pony. One-trick pony. You shut down Shai Smith, who are they going to throw the ball to? You shut down Brian Edwards, who are they going to throw the ball to? That's not the issue anymore. Yeah. So, yes, I get it that for, for some, when they look at Josh Van and it's like, okay, why isn't he seeing the ball? Or why isn't he getting as many touches? It's not that they're not trying to throw him the ball. It's just that there's so many talented guys out there, you know, that they're trying to spread the ball around. Or they're going to go with a guy that has the hot hand. Or a guy, at the end of the day, who's just creating separation. God, that's creating separation. I mean, think back to two years ago. My God. And talk about Shai Smith for crying out loud in just that season. That was another issue, Joe. They could not <laughs> they could not create separation to save their life that season in 2020. They just couldn't, other than Shai Smith. And again, when you become a one-trick pony and you're able to shut down that one guy, one guy, it's going to become so much easier. And we saw that in 2020. Now, granted, South Carolina was able to have a lot of success on the ground with Kevin Harris. But yeah. from a passing standpoint, especially when you needed it, you weren't able to have that success when you took Shai Smith out of the equation. Yeah. So, 
Mike, and I, I also compare – you brought up Kevin Harris. Like, I, I also compare this situation to the backfield when Kevin Harris went for 1,000 yards. Like, Kevin Harris was the guy. And, I mean, you saw in games in that season when they slowed down Kevin Harris, you know, the game plan was off. And I, this I, – and I also will say this, too. This is the most depth we've had in years. This, I, and it, it's most likely attributed to the Beamer effect, right? Like, he is getting more players into the facility and into the program – I have so many weapons for Marcus Satterfield. Like, it's there's so many weapons on offense now. And Mike, again, you're right. It, it's not going to feel the same with Josh Van because it's simply not. Like, there are just too many guys in that wide receiver room that'll play their butts off, mm-hmm. and that are going to give Josh Van a challenge this year about like this, this the number one receiver role. And you know, I I do have a feeling that like later in the year, guys are going to progress and step up. So I don't think like this is the end of Josh Van as we know it, like this doesn't mean that Josh Van isn't going to be the guy that he was necessarily a year ago. All it means is that for the time being that Josh Van isn't practicing as well as he could. And he's not necessarily the, the number one guy like we've seen in past years, you know? No, it's just what it comes down to Joe. That's what it just comes down to intern Joe. Appreciate you, buddy. We'll have you hop back in with us. As we go throughout this show, we'll put that call-in number up there one more time for you guys in case you need to see it. But I do want to answer David's question. Do you think we're going to see Cam Smith play on Saturday? Now, uh, today, Shane Beamer, it was a long list. It was a long list. Um, or at least it felt like it was a long list of just some of the guys that are in question for this this weekend's game against Georgia. Um, Spalding, Cam Smith, Corey Rucker, R.J. Roderick, Alex Huntley, all questionable this week. I do feel like of those guys that I mentioned, we won't see some of them. I don't think we're going to see Rucker. That's one of them for certain. Um, But Cam Smith, I think Cam Smith's interesting. I think Cam Smith's interesting because certainly if you want to have any chance to be able to beat Georgia, you're going to need to be able to have as everyone on, on deck, right? You, You need everyone ready to play. With that being said, you got to look at the greater good of the season. Cam's a tough guy. You don't need to hear me say that. He's a tough guy. A lot of us that have followed him going back to his days at Westwood High, we know that. He's a tough he's a tough guy. He's got a lot though on the line this season too from an NFL standpoint, his draft stock. I'm not saying that he would miss this game because of that. That's not what I'm saying. That's not where I'm going with this. But what I'm trying to say is you got to be smart sometimes for the big picture. And the big picture isn't even about the draft stock. It's more so just about the season and where he can help South Carolina moving forward. Um, if he's able to do that, he's going to be able to raise his draft stock. So I don't think he's going to, you know, if, he, if he's ready to go and play this game, I expect him to be there. Uh, intern Joe, of course, walks away from the phone. And that's when we get a phone call in. Nice job, intern Joe. Um phone call from mount pleasant we will get back to you in a little bit just saw that happen of course intern joe what are you doing intern joe um but yes i i i if i if i had to take a guess right now as intern joe comes back and we just missed that call it's all right intern joe (laughs) um i i'll put intern joe back as he looks all flustered right now uh Joe, what do you what do you think about Cam Smith? If you had to take a guess, do you, do you expect Cam to play this week? And you had a better feel of it today. 
Um, I mean, overall, like I'm very high on Cam Smith, like great player. Um, but today it did seem like Cam Smith is going to be one of those guys. It, it, it depends on how he practices, right? If, if, you know, he goes through the motions this week and has a bad week of practice and he's, he doesn't look a hundred percent. Now granted it is Georgia. So I, there's more, it's more likely that he will play. I would say that he has to have a bad week in practice to not, but I mean, that's, that's the sec, right? You never really know. Uh, but I mean, Beamer listed him as questionable officially. And um, you know, so, I mean, I'm assuming he's going to play as long as everything goes remotely well. Um, it's also with, um, you know, Christian Bill Smith and Corey Rucker. They're, they're, those were two, two other guys that haven't necessarily played yet, but I also feel like for a game like Georgia, you, you're going to need all the help you can get. So these guys that are questionable, I, I'm assuming are going to be leaning a little bit more towards the playing side. And there is our friend from Mount Pleasant calling back. Intern Joe's here this time. To get you on to the program, so we appreciate that. There's that number one more time, 803-567-3796. Wait for intern Joe to give us the thumbs up, and we will get our latest caller onto the program. But, um, yeah, I mean, look, Cam, Cam's a guy we know what he can bring to the table. He plays in the outside. He plays at nickel. He's a guy that just brings a lot to the table, and just his physicality more than anything. Um his physicality is something that, I mean, Nick, uh, Manny Worry, Manny Worry is just a phenomenal player. I know you're good. That's my my bad. What's you up, Joe? Heart. Why don't you go ahead? So you're. I said you're good. You're on the show. Okay. Okay. Uh, all right. So yeah, I have a few questions. So I don't know if you uh, have y'all heard anything about Taylor, Tanner Bailey or Brandon Davis being in the game at all this year? No. At all? Nope. And uh, what, what? Another thing uh, on the Arkansas game. So I have seen where there was two penalties they missed, and well, not missed one. One they already knew. The ref gave them the uh, the first down, and he was supposed to be at the fourth and one, and that was kind of a bullcrap call where they gave him the first down on that part. And the other, they missed the face mask on it, and they never called on that. So I just don't. I want to get y'all's opinion on that. I mean, a couple of the calls, I mean, we can go back earlier in the game. It just seemed like it was kind of a bleep show um, with the officiating from time to time. Um, I'm not, I'm never really going to be one to point to the officiating and blame this and that. I mean, that's certainly, I'm not saying that you're saying this, but that's certainly not the reason why South Carolina lost this weekend. Um, Look, I, I think when it comes down to it, whether it comes to situations like that, calls like that, and Beamer would probably say the same thing, and it's the generic. Um, coach speech, which is like you just don't want to leave it into the officials' hands. Now, certainly South Carolina, yeah. we can go back. You know, Will Muschamp coming into town. Who can forget the uh, the infamous uh, no holding call when South Carolina played Florida a couple of years ago, and it felt like the guy was walking them down the sideline, sixty yards, holding them. Um, and Muschamp said after the game, you know, when the official dropped the flag forty yards downfield, he's like, you know, next time drop it in front of my feet. So. Um, I get it. I, I, I get it that from a South Carolina fan standpoint, um, it just seems like every week those calls kind of go against you. Um, but I think if you know, yeah, I mean, I know, I know it's kind of different because you know, watching it from TV and if you're at the game, it's kind of a lot different because you don't actually see you're too distracted, you know, looking at other players and stuff. And I, I, I guess a lot of people don't 
see uh, you know see the penalties like we do. Yeah, no, I I agree with you on that front. No question about that. All right. What do you want to so let me ask you before yeah, you get no. off the line? Anything in particular you're looking for against Georgia this weekend, regardless of the result? I, I'm hoping we can stop the run more because there we go. Arkansas clowned us while in the run game. Like they knew uh, we we sucked at stopping the run, so they had a they they were clowning us the whole game. So I'm really hoping we can stop the run, or at least we can run the ball very well than to deal with the two other games. Well, I appreciate it and I agree with you. And going back to Ashley's point right here, we're talking about Cam Smith. You know, what was Cam's injury? Does he have a concussion? He doesn't have a concussion. It's an upper body injury. That's kind of where it's been left at. Um, what exactly the body part, whether it be the pack, arm, whatever. We don't know the specific details. Beamer kept it very vague, uh, but it's an upper body injury. So I say that because, you know, Look, you have a guy like uh, T.J. Watt this week that has a torn peck for the Steelers. He's going to be out for the next couple of weeks. It's it's one of those things that when you hear upper body, sometimes you breathe a little bit better, right? Okay, it's not an ACL. It's not a foot. But um, depending on what the severity of the injury is to an upper body, obviously can keep you out a little bit longer, depending on others. But, you know, I say that just because, again, I'm not a doctor. But, um, you know, at least it's not an ACL. At least it's not a you know, foot or anything like that. Of course, he's had his foot injuries over the years. Um, but we'll have to just wait and see. We'll have to wait and see. Upper body injury is all we know, according to Shane Beamer. Sean asking, you know, why do we continue throwing the ball when Arkansas only had five in the box? I think two things, Sean. And I don't know if you're specifically saying at the beginning of the game, I'll have to go back and watch the tape. I think South Carolina wanted to run the football, excuse me, wanted to throw the football early on just because they wanted to take advantage of the fact that Arkansas that Arkansas had a beat up secondary going into the game. And we saw that. We saw South Carolina try to take some shots downfield. But as the game went on, it was just like, all right, where's the run? Where's the run? It goes back to what we were just talking about a little while ago. You become a one trick pony. If you become a one trick pony, teams are going to be able to have a field day on you. So I think what we saw last week was Arkansas knew South Carolina was trying to mix it up with the run at, at you know as the game went on. We saw it more so in the second quarter. They tried to make them go back to being a one one trick pony. Um, you know Arkansas was trying to put five in the box, but they I just I just felt like they weren't necessarily afraid. Um, they weren't afraid of South Carolina running the ball. I really don't. I don't think teams are afraid of them right now. I mean, it's crazy to say in comparison to where they were two years ago. And I know two seasons ago is two seasons ago. A lot has changed in two years. But you think of just all the success South Carolina had running the football that season with Kevin Harris. Again, a lot has changed. New offensive coordinator, new scheme, new blocking scheme at that with zone blocking. But um, I think until South Carolina can establish the run, until they can establish the run, I think you're going to see a lot of teams have five guys in the box or only send three, only send four. They're going to do what they can to be able to put pressure on Rattler. But I think some teams, and Georgia might be one of them, they might have confidence that they'd be able to get to the quarterback with only three pass rushers. That just goes to show you the lack of respect that some teams are going to have for you. So until you can prove consistently 
why teams should throw an extra guy in the box. Because we saw that in 2020. Saw that last year. Teams would bring down one of the safeties. Throw him in the box. And teams were daring you to throw the football. It's a little different right now. It's a little different right now. Teams aren't afraid of you running the football. And until you can earn that respect from teams, that's what you're going to see. I'm interested to see how things are going to go with Georgia this week. Now, I did bring this up on Gamecock Central. I'll bring the story up here. Nothing too crazy. Uh, the beginning of the story is going to sound a little bit more crazier, though, where I'm going. And then, you know, in comparison to how the conversation actually went. On Friday, I went to my dad's high school game up here in Massachusetts. And a coach that was there to do some recruiting was Will Muschamp. Muschamp had been in contact with a defensive back for the school that my dad coaches at. Um, he's a four-star defensive back, um, already committed to, to Georgia for the class of 2023. I'm getting there. I'm coming from work, the job up here in Boston that I'm, I'm juggling. And I get there by halftime. Muschamp walks out, and we had a nice five, ten-minute discussion. I share that because the sense, and we didn't really, we didn't talk really about the game coming up next week, which of course is this week now. They, got, they had Sam for the next day. He was out there, had to fly back to, I think, Pennsylvania, uh, had to pick up another coach there on the plane, and then they were flying back to Georgia to the team hotel to get ready for the, for the game the next day. So they were doing some recruiting, and, um, you know, that's a story for another day in terms of how much money we saw that report that came out a year or two ago about how much money Georgia invest in recruiting but i say this because the biggest thing i notice with will is there's no people are going to wonder this week all right is is will going to want to run up the score well first off will has no say on that Will has no he's the freaking defensive coordinator he's not the head coach he's not the offensive coordinator he's the dc does he want to go out there i'm sure and pitch a shutout of course but I just didn't sense from having the conversation with him that he has he holds any animosity towards South Carolina. Doesn't hold any animosity. He's a guy that understands the business. He's been doing this a long time. He's been doing this a long time. Lost a job at Florida. He's seen coaching buddies in this profession lose jobs or whatever the case may be. It happens, right? And, of course, they paid him very handsomely too. But he seems like a guy that is at peace right now. He seems like a guy that is very happy with the situation that he's currently in. Um, why wouldn't you be the defensive coordinator at your alma mater and the number one ranked team in the country and maybe even the number one defense in the country at that. So I say all that because I'm sure some people are going to wonder, all right, Will gets back here. There's going to be people booing him. I get it. Hey, that's part of sports, man. He gets it. He understands that. Uh, and that's not for me to say, okay, you know, hold back. No, let him have it. You don't like how they have fun. That's sports. Have fun. I do think Will is an awesome person. I think he, and I, and I did have a conversation with that. I won't go into too many details about some of the conversations we had, but I did, I did kind of poke fun of him at that since I'm covering Bill Belichick up here. And he had a chance to, you know, coach under Saban, of course, with uh, Muschamp, Muschamp coaching under Saban. And Saban, of course, comes from the Belichick cloth. So I say that because there's a lot of similarities when it comes to being in front of the camera. And I kind of poked fun at Will, you know, when I was talking to him. I said, man, I said, I know you got to set the tone when you're in front of the camera. I said, but I, I know you're a totally different person when you're away from it. 
And he he's he's a guy that is appreciative of the memories that they were able to create here, the good from the football program standpoint, um, the good for his family. Of course, his sons, they went to Hammond. So he, he doesn't hold animosity. Now, just like anyone in life, right, whether it be a job, whether it be anything, there's going to be people that when you leave a place, don't always see eye to eye with them. You're not always going to be buddy-buddy with them. You're not going to send Christmas cards, right? You're not going to exchange Christmas cards each year. And, you know, I'm, I'm sure just like with any person, right, a situation like that, there's going to be some things you're like, all right, I'm glad I don't miss that. But there's things that I'm sure he's going to miss too that he has missed. Um, so I say all this just because, look, Saturday is going to be fun with him returning back to williams Bryce, But at the same time too, yeah, that's great. There's more things to worry about if you're South Carolina. From a team standpoint on the field, from a team standpoint in the crowd, when it comes to Nicholas Harbor being there, your focus isn't going to be on Will Muschamp, or it shouldn't be on Will Muschamp. The fans want to have at it, have at it. If you guys are down there, you want to boom, have at it. I'm not telling you not to. Have fun. Have fun with it. But um, this weekend, I think there's just a lot more to worry about. I really do. I really do. And if that helps the atmosphere, if that helps the the environment, go. Boom. Do what you need to do. But that's not going to – that's not – I, I, I'm just trying – what I'm trying to bring up is the fact that he's not going to lose sleep coming in this weekend. He's not. Um, it's not about, you know, being afraid of South Carolina or anything like that. He's just – I think he's moved on from it. He's moved on. It's been two years now, going on two years. do want to pull up some of these comments coming over here. Um, you know, I know it sucks to have Mo and Jordan out, but at least we can begin to build some depth for the future. Love me. And I, th- I don't know if I'm saying this right. I don't know if it's just H-Man. Um, so if, I'm, if it's a name together, I'm, I apologize. Uh, I'll go H-Man. I agree. I agree, and I'm not saying that necessarily Stone Blandon is going to be seeing more reps uh, in terms of playing, you know, 20 to 30 snaps more a game, but that's a guy I'd keep an eye on. And then you're going to have to ask yourself a question because after this week, you have one more game where there's four games, right? And you have to decide whether or not you want to use – you want to use – the year of eligibility on someone. So I'm using a guy like Stone Blaine, for example, but this could be anyone. Do you want to use that year of eligibility? Or do you want to save that? And from conversations I've also had with Pete Lumbo going back to preseason, Lumbo mentioned one of the things that coaches do sometimes is, yes, they look at, okay, being able to first four games, and that's what a lot of people on the outside think of, but sometimes they want to be able to have that game at the end of the year, that bowl game. So when we go into this weekend, again, I'm just using Stone Blanton's name, for example, but this could be anybody. Don't be shocked to see a player or two that has been playing, whether it be on special teams or he's been flashing a little bit on offense or defense, but nothing too crazy when I say flash. You've seen him out there. Don't be shocked to see some of those guys kind of go away. Kind of go away because South Carolina wants to be able to have them available for that bowl game. They're optimistic that they're going to get to a bowl game. That's the way you have to think. And be able to use them in that bowl game so you can develop them a little bit more. So just keep that in mind when we go into this weekend's game. Um, See, Brian, 
you know, what game could we possibly pull off an upset like maybe Clemson? I think the big thing right now is you need to be able to build off of what you build off of last week. And from the defense and for the defense, for the holes that they have right now, not going to have Mokaba, not going to have Jordan Strawn, potentially could be without Cam Smith. We just talked about a little while ago, even though I'm optimistic that we'll see him out there if he's not out there, whether he is, whether he's not, you're going to have to be able to find guys that can step up, step up and be able to fill those voids so that when you do go into week four, right, and you're playing Charlotte or week five, SC State, that you can have a, a solid foundation, both offense and defense. On special teams as well, because Mokaba played a big, big role on special teams. You need to be able to feel good about yourself after those two games. Because when you go into week six and you have to go down to Kroger Field and Lexington, take it on Kentucky, if you don't know who you are by that point, I don't, I don't know what to tell you. I really don't. I feel like this team is going to know who they are by that point. I feel like from an offensive standpoint, as I've been saying, going back to the, the preseason, I feel like South Carolina is really going to find themselves in week four, going into week five and then going to Kentucky. So on paper right now, it'd be an upset. Beating Kentucky would be an upset. So I'd say Kentucky right now. Um, We'll worry about Clemson when we get closer. Shoot, I mean, we're only the two weeks into the season. So that's why I say that, you know, worry about uh, Kentucky after the the Charlotte and, and SC State game. In turn, Joe, what we got? Hey, Mike, how you doing? So, Good. How you doing? Question. Um, just kind of looking for your thoughts. So with a wide receiver room, that's a little bit more, uh, you know, a little deeper than, than last year. It kind of bothers me seeing people asking to see more DK and Josh Van. I didn't think Josh Van was, you know, out of this world as a receiver. He's definitely good, but with all the wide receiver depth we have now, um, do you think it's a little bit, of an overreaction for people to be calling for DK and Josh Van to be getting, you know, all these targets. I, I I do. I mean, I feel like this, right? And I, I'm trying, I'm trying to look at it from both sides here. I think the reality is this, like we said before, the wide receiver room is just so much deeper than it's been in a long, long time. There's been a lot of talented wide receivers that have come through South Carolina over the last couple of years. We mentioned Mush Champ. Give them a lot of credit. Give him a lot of credit. Muschamp did a tremendous job when it came to recruiting. He really did. I think he's a good coach. I think he's a tremendous recruiter. Head coach at South Carolina. Just didn't work out. Um, so I say all that because, as you know, we mentioned Muschamp getting ready to take on um, him and this Georgia team this weekend. You look at the talent that South Carolina has in the receiver room right now, naturally that's going to happen. Naturally that is going to happen. And I think for some people on the outside, they look at it, as this, wait a minute, we're not used to seeing this. And I don't think their brain can really comprehend what's going on right now because they're not used to seeing weapons out there. You know, it's it's kind of been like a, like we were saying before. It's been the Brian Edwards show this year or the Debo Samuels show this year. And it, they're not used to being able to see, okay, wait, it might be a Jalen Brooks game like we saw in week one. Wait a minute, it might be a, it might be a uh, Juice Wells game in week two. Maybe it is going to be a Josh Van game next week. I don't know. I'm not sure. Now, you look at the stats. You look at the stats so far this season. One reception for nine yards. 
go back to last season, 43 catches, 679 yards, and five touchdowns. There's no question, there's no question that Josh Van made a big, big impact in the receiving game last year and that he was, he was the guy. He was the guy. But at the same time, too, you look at that wide receiver room, it just wasn't the same. It wasn't the same. Now, as far as DK goes, look, I don't know what the ultimate plan is going to be for DK and how South Carolina plans on using him. They keep saying that he's a receiver. We heard Beamer mention today, though, that he also has the skill set to play quarterback if they need him to. And I'm paraphrasing right now. But from what we saw in the Duke's Mayo Bowl, until DK is 100%, it's really hard to figure out where he can be placed especially after we just talked about all that, Brian, which is they have talent at the wide receiver position like they haven't had in quite some time. So if you have a a guy like DK who's talented, but you have guys that are really talented in that room already, and DK's not 100%, you got to make a decision as a coach. What's going to put you in the best position to be able to be successful? What's going to put you in the best position to, to have this type of success that you're looking at from the production standpoint from that wide receiver room? So I think that's what we're seeing more than anything. Once DK gets closer to that 100%, and I feel like we'll start to see that, whether it be, might see it this week, but I, I think more so that Charlotte week and going into SC State. Once once we get to that point, then let's judge carry uh, on a little bit more. But I just feel like right now it's like it's tough to say how they're going to use him because he's just not 100% or he hasn't been 100% to start the year. Absolutely. And I mean, yeah, I, I, I got you. And it makes sense. And I have one more quick question, uh, if you have time. Yeah, sorry to keep that ramble, bro. I didn't know you were still there. Sorry, buddy. Oh, no worries. No worries. Uh, it was a good answer. But um, so it seems to be like a lot of guys are like, uh, they're trying to get carries to a bunch of different guys, trying to target different wide receivers. Do you think uh, this is part of Beamer's plan to keep guys from entering the portal? getting their hands on the ball, you know, here and there, getting everybody in the game? Yes and no. I think ultimately he's just going to do whatever he feels like it's going to help the team uh, to be able to win games because at the end of the day, it's not his job to worry about, okay, is little Johnny happy after going, you know, from the transfer portal and, and playing at South Carolina now and he's getting these touches, again, that. Um, different different position and we don't know all the circumstances but I'll just use a position for example a different position for example Terrell Dawkins right Terrell Dawkins guy that transfers on in from MC State really haven't seen him too much now with this injury now granted Terrell's been battling some injuries of his own since he arrived but now with the injury of Jordan Strawn he's going to have more of a, a more opportunity to be able to play so I say all that just because I think what we've seen from Beamer, it's a little bit easier maybe to look at the wide receiver position or some of the skill positions, right? You mentioned running back. How do they use Christian Beal Smith? Are they trying to mix things up to make everyone happy? Juju McDowell. Then you also got um, Marshawn Lloyd. I think more than anything, it's they're just trying to do what they feel like is going to help them win. I know that's like the really generic, boring, cliche coach speech answer. But I feel like that's the God's honest truth. And the main reason being is because we're seeing it on defense with just the first example I'm pointing to, uh, Terrell Docking. So um, I think ultimately what they're going to do is they're going to try to find out from a, from a schematic standpoint what guys fit best. And I do feel like they have a better sense of what they're ultimately trying to do right now. Yes, you have an OC that is in his second year. 
with the program. But at the same time, too, there are things with this program that you're still trying to figure out because you have a new quarterback. And how does he mesh with other guys? So I think guys are going to start to get on page a little bit more, whether it be receivers, as you mentioned, Josh Van, some of these guys. But um, I don't think it's really going to make too much of an impact as to, okay, how do they come here? Certainly you want to get guys out on the field that, you know, Carlin's Patel last year, they brought him in for a reason. Carlin's wasn't starting at the beginning of the year. And then what happened? Final six, seven games, he started at nickel. And then now he's with the Pittsburgh Steelers coming in from a Division II school. So I say that because it's a small sample size, but Beamer has shown in the past that ultimately, hey, look, if you produce, we'll get you on the field. And I think he's proven that just in that small, what, 15-game sample size. Absolutely. Absolutely. I'm trying to go through some of these questions before we wrap up. We're about we're at that hour mark right now. Whether Georgia has must champ or not changes about the daunting task. Absolutely, got to be able to stop. Got to stop the run. That's what stop. That's what, anytime you play a Georgia team, you need to be able to stop the run. They have talented receivers, okay, but you need to be able to stop the run. You need to be able to stop the run. Um, might have to use eligibility because we have to enter the uh, SEC play and the injuries are already piling up. I do want to mention this. I mentioned this before with Jordan Strawn last night on Gamecock Central, for those of you that may have missed it. I don't know what the ultimate game plan is for Strawn and what he plans on doing, but people want to know if he's eligible to come back. Strawn is in his sixth year. Of course, that also factors in a COVID year. Uh, assuming that Strong would want to come back to USC and that USC would want him back, which I feel like based on everything I know about how they feel about him, that they would. And again, this situation is very fluid. He'd be heading into his seventh year. Ultimately, the NCAA would need to grant him another medical waiver. It's very, very, very rare for that to happen. But in 2021, the NCAA granted a seventh year of eligibility to an SMU linebacker. So, and that also included, of course, a COVID year. So I throw that in there because there are examples, and I found that one, just just one. Um, I don't need to keep going down the list. You just have one that's good enough. Uh, guy had injuries as well, COVID situation, very similar, that it is doable. So we'll have to wait and see uh, as far as that goes. But going down, you know, hope to see the ball spread around more in week one. Yeah, I look. If Van's able to create separation and he has a good week of practice, there's no reason why you shouldn't expect Van to have a bigger role in the offense this week. And not just this week, but through the course of the season. Um, you know, who else has repped at nickel? Cam, David have been the one and two now. Yeah, I mean, that's it's 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 a it's an interesting point when you talk about the nickel spot right now. Um, because <laughs> Right right now, you have Rush out there playing the other corner spot. Dial would be another guy to keep an eye on um, playing corner. I think more than anything, when it comes down to is, you know, <laughs> who, who are they going to be able to feel more comfortable at that nickel position? So I mentioned Dial because Dial could play on the outside, but Dial might play on the inside if they feel like they, he gives them a better shot at that. So um, I think the big question is who does South Carolina trust more? And maybe we'll have a better idea um, tomorrow. Beamer will have his teleconference with reporters. That's on the national level. And then on Thursday, Carolina calls. So uh, that is something that I will look into, though, as we get closer to uh, to Saturday. But 
I think it more so just comes down to a comfortability standpoint. But if Cam can't go, I would expect if Spalding is obviously healthy, Spalding to play in that spot. Do you have any? You got something, yeah. Joe? Yeah. So I mean, like I, I, I I'm, I'm assuming we're going to see a mix of guys in there. Um, and again, like earlier, what I said about Cam Smith, like we could see him in a limited role. Same thing with David, right? Like these guys are questionable right now. So I'm assuming that there is an aspect that they could go if needed be. So maybe we might see limited reps from both of them. And again, like I, I think um, just like we've seen in, in Mo Kamba's spot, like we've seen a lot of different guys come in and step up. And I think we're just going to see a big rotation and especially against Georgia too. You're going to need all your guys to step up and perform because, you know, they're going to run the ball and they're going to run it a lot. And so you better be ready and you better be in shape. And so, I mean, I think you're going to see a lot of rotation this weekend against Georgia. That's, that's about it from that standpoint. Let's try, to, let's try to get some of these other questions yeah. in here before we get going. Um, I think right now we're worried about actually moving the ball down the field. Who gets – then uh, let's see. Try to read them. Going too quick here. I think right now we are more worried about actually moving the ball down the field than who catches or runs. It doesn't really matter. What do you have to do? School points. I agree. I agree. But whether it be on social media, whether it be um, some of the calls we even took last week after the game, um, and then certainly on the uh, the insider forum on Gamecock Central, and I'm sure on other message boards, some people just had questions. And look, that's going to happen. You wait, wait and see. Wait until you see after this game. If the off it, it, the offense isn't even the offense did something that they that they don't do historically, at least it seems like as of late within the last decade or so, they were able to put up 30 points on the road. Okay, was it perfect? No, certainly not. Um, but I just say that because the offense was moving after that slow first quarter, and there were still people like, "Well, what's going on here?" Um, you know, does DK ever do special teams? I can't remember. He does. He yeah. does. Um, he does. You want to throw something? Because I know you're doing a story yeah. on them. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, so um, even in the limited roles in the first two weeks, he has been getting in on special teams. He's been playing a big role. Like Beamer really emphasized that today. He's loved you have his. those positions. Is he a gunner? I don't. I mean, I'm assuming we'll see him return some kicks too. Um, he's been back there. He's been back yeah. receiving kicks. Um, he's done that before. Yep. So, but, yeah. I agree. All right, let's see. Let me know. Let's just uh, let's play the players who will allow us to be consistent and score. Tony, that's what it comes down to, baby. I love it. Just do what Tony says. It's the truth. And what it comes down to, too, just a step further than that, and I know we're talking about Josh Fan, but this isn't directed at him. I mean, this is in general. Guys need to be able to produce in practice, too. And I say that just because there's some coaches out there that really don't care what you do at practice. They're just going to play whoever on, on Saturday. Beamer, from just what we've learned from Beamer, again, small sample size, he's not one of those coaches. And I like that. I like that. I feel like especially where the state of the program is right now for South Carolina, you need that type of mindset. You need that type of attitude that you have to produce throughout the week if you want to be able to play on Saturday. Um, we've seen that specifically with the running back room with the hot hand over the years. But that's the reason I bring that up. Um, Fortune could play that position as well. Um, and if it's not nickel, again, going back to what I was mentioning before with Dial and, and Rush, if Spalding and Cam Smith aren't able to play, who do they feel most comfortable with at that nickel spot? Is it Dial? Is it Fortune? Uh, that, is, that is one of those things to keep an eye on. Corey Rucker, 
Uh, hoping we get to see what Corey Rucker can do soon. I would say, I would say that it will probably be after the Charlotte game. If I had to take a guess, we won't see Rucker until at least that South Carolina State game. Until yep. at least that South Carolina State game. So questionable um, is a step up, though. Like again, yep, it is, it is. And I know yep. Beamer hasn't said that or anything like that. I'm just kind of letting you know um, that is what I'm hearing, that we should expect Rucker back soon. Um, but it's still, you know, not there quite yet. Um, let's see. Hope to see Spencer hitting the checkdowns if the deep ball isn't there. The past two games, he forced a few deep. Yeah, look, I, I think with Rattler, some of those deep passes are going to start to connect. And it was good to see those opportunities really pop up the way they did against Arkansas. We saw it a little bit against Georgia State, right? We saw it a little bit against Georgia State. I think it was actually on that first drive he overthrew a receiver. He's going to start hitting those guys. It's just different. Throwing to different guys. Timing's a little bit off. But it's not even timing from a receiver to a, to a quarterback standpoint or a quarterback to receiver. Like I've mentioned before, the timing with the offensive line. I feel like he does have more confidence with the O-line. And it's not even about can they block. And they, no, it's just like, okay, when is the pocket going to break down? When do I need to force things? And uh, I think that is going to be the biggest difference. we got two more. We're going to wrap things up here. We need one big road win, and it might flip a switch for this team. Look, obviously you got two home games coming up, Georgia, then Charlotte the week after. And then, shoot, you got three in a row, Joe, right? Yeah. Three home games in a row. Uh, South Carolina State that following week. And then you go to Kentucky. Again, Preseason predictions, I didn't have South Carolina winning this game. Um, I do feel like, though, you build off of some of the things you were able to build off of last week, especially from an offensive standpoint. For the defense, you need to, you need to feel good about yourself. You need to feel good about yourself, especially from that edge position and especially from that linebacker position with Mo Kaba out now, too. You need to find two guys that, that make you say, hey, look, we still have a ways to go but at least we have two guys that we trust. It's going to be difficult, especially against the number one team in the country. That's what I want to see from them this weekend. Uh, Justin says, I'm still excited about watching this team. Only going to get better. I agree. I agree. I agree, Justin. I think this team's going to only get better each week, and I feel like if they can come into their own over these next couple games, especially after this Georgia game going into Charlotte, I feel like we're going to see something special. There's going to be some people that write this team up. That's fine. Let them. That means they're either a pink hat fan, right? They just throw the pad on. Says South Carolina, it's a pink hat, rah rah game. Gamecocks, they're not paying attention. They just go out there for the tailgates on Saturday. If you're paying attention, you know this team is going to make progress. And the reason being is because we saw that from week one to week two, even though it didn't result in a win, we saw progress. Everyone was talking on that today. Stog was big on that. Stog was very, very, very. It's the truth. It's the truth. Brian goes, need to be a pass-heavy offense this year to maximize the talent we have under center. Brian, I agree. I do feel like, though, you need to be able to run the football. You need to be able to run the football in the SEC. And I'm not saying that you're saying not to run the football at all. Um, I do feel like they're going to be a more pass-heavy team in comparison to some of the South Carolina teams that we've been accustomed to seeing over the last couple of years. But you need to run the football because if not, you're going to run into the situation you saw last week, which is five in the box against Arkansas, and teams aren't really too concerned about you when it comes to a run game standpoint, makes it more difficult to throw. 
Uh, Lady Bree, again, I wanted to mention earlier what would uh, the outlook of this year be of the schedule with Charlotte, South Carolina State, Georgia State. You know, um, what would the outlook of this year be of the schedule was? I'm Charlotte, South Carolina State, Georgia State. I think, look, I think reality – and I'm not trying to uh, push the question aside altogether. I'm trying to wrap this thing up um, in terms of the hypotheticals. I think the schedule is what the schedule is. Um, I feel like it, in the long haul, Lady Bree, I feel like it'll be better for South Carolina because it was a good test week one. We saw that against North Carolina last week when Georgia State had to play them. H-Man, again, thanks for you both guys doing the show. We appreciate it. You, Run man. the ball by pulling guards. Well, we'll see a little bit about that. We'll see a little of that, Linus, but uh, a lot of zone blocking schemes, a little bit different in terms of what South Carolina is trying to do from an offensive standpoint. Uh, intern Joe, I appreciate you, buddy. Yeah. Um, again, post-game show, GC Live post-game show Saturday after the Georgia game. We will have uh, – I think we're having Michael Skarnecki on this week. I'll double-check. We had Perry Orth on last week, rotating cast, give you guys a neat perspective. Um, hop on. Hop on. There was a lot of people last week. Call in, message us, whatever you guys want to do. If you missed any of this show, it's all right. Go to YouTube. You can go to Gamecock Central. Go to the Gamecock Central YouTube page. That thing is taking off. And this is just the beginning. So be sure to subscribe for free there. And you can be able to go back and watch any of these shows, but you can hit the little bell every time there's a new show. Get a nice little alert. You won't miss any Gamecock Central shows. I mean, GC Live this, GC Live that. You'll get it all. So, Joe, appreciate you, buddy. Intern Joe, going to sign off here, guys. And uh, we'll see you next Tuesday. Thank you, guys. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere. And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.